Hello, everyone. Welcome to Context with Mike Delpretti. I'm your host, Mike Delpretti, and I am here today with my daughter, Allie. Hi, Allie. Hi. How's it going? Pretty good. Pretty good. All right. You're doing all right? You drinking enough water? Um, no comment. All right. Well, make sure to keep drinking. It's important. <laughs> I will. So today, earlier today, I sent out a new article titled, Industry Evolution Continues During a Receding Tide. And Allie is on my mailing list, and Allie likes to read some of my articles. And we thought we'd have a conversation about it. So what did you think about the article this week, Allie? I thought it was pretty good. Um, it reminded me a lot of your presentation at Inman most recently. Um, How so? It just, I mean, you kind of discussed similar things. Um, you mentioned the Netflix versus Blockbuster moment um, a couple of times in there. But you just kind of talked about how certain companies are like profiting and certain aren't and I feel like you use some of the same um graphs so I knew more of what was happening hmm. and what do you find interesting about all that um I just find interesting like specifically um oh there was a very particular thing how you were saying that some companies are doing like um in quarter two you said that they were doing better um, profitability-wise. Mm -hmm. um, but some of the companies might not have been doing as good substantially profitability-wise, but they were just like more stable in general um, with structure. And I found that kind of interesting. It's kind of like if something's going, it made me think of like if you go really fast and then you burn and crash versus like taking the slow route. So like the rabbit versus the turtle or whatever the actual oh, yeah. analogy is. Tortoise yeah. and the hare. There you go. Slow and steady wins the race. Yeah. Versus going super, super fast, kind of like running a race, right? If you run a race and you just bolt out of the starting line and go as fast as you can, you might hit some problems. Yeah. It's kind of like, I mean, the way I think about it graph wise is like, um, it would be like a bell curve versus like just a linear Mm. growth okay. that's slower like at some point the linear line is going to take over yeah awesome all yeah. right so what what questions did you have any questions for me out of this yeah yeah i did um i mean my first question was on your the first graph you use it says h1 23 i know that q1 is like the quarters what's h1 yeah no that's a that's a good question it, the short answer is h1 means the first half so there's half one or half two mm. So like the first six months of the... Yeah, yeah okay. exactly. There, there, it's kind of like this financial gobbledygook talk, right? Q1, Q2, Q3, and Q4, the four quarters of a year. Right. Um, and then you have two halves, H1 and H2. And then the whole thing rolls up to a year, or sometimes these companies call it an, a financial year, FY. You know, FY22 would be the financial year, 2022. I feel like we're in calculus. Okay, good. Well, I'm glad we got that. I, yeah. It, it's, you know, it's one of those things I don't even think about, but I, I really appreciate the question because you have to, anybody mm -hmm. just has to understand the fundamentals and I want everything that I'm working on to be super accessible. So. Right. Good one. Okay. Um, and then you also mentioned that um, you just kind of follow the agents to see where things are going. Just elaborate more on that. I mean, I kind of have my own interpretations, but I just want to hear what you have to say about that well, what was the what was the quote um I don't oh, know. to identify the brokerage business models of the future one simply needs to follow the agents is that what you meant yeah so what's the question about that like what did i mean 
Yeah, I mean, just kind of like elaborate more. Um, where are the agents going? Did you mm. have any predictions? Were they kind of correct, or was there anything like an outlier anomalies? Okay. No, it's good. So what I what I mean by that to identify the brokerage business models of the future, you have to follow the agents. Is that brokerages? If, if you distill it down, brokerages are just a collection of agents, mm-hmm. right? A brokerage is like a holding company or an umbrella, and underneath it are agents. And the agents are the ones that are buying and selling, helping people buy and sell right. houses. So you, you can't have a brokerage without agents, and you can't have a brokerage doing business without agents. Really, at the end of the day, you just need the agents. So if you follow where agents are going, what companies they're working at, who, which companies they're leaving, which companies they're mm-hmm. going to... That's a really powerful leading indicator. Like it's a clue. It's an idea of which brokerages, like the businesses, these are businesses that you and I can invest in, which ones might be growing Mm -hmm. uh, are going to be the ones that are attracting more and more agents. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And um, did you do that or did you to like base your data off of? Were you like looking at that and watching that or was there like other things? that you followed instead. No, it was I was looking at that and and that agent so that's called agent count. Mm-hmm. You can look at how many agents are working at these different brokerages. Like Compass will have this many agents, EXP has that many agents, Berkshire Hathaway Home Services has that many agents, and that's a number and it changes over time. Most most of these companies report that on a quarterly basis. Mm-hmm. So you can see which numbers are going up and and which are coming down. And it's something I've kept an eye on for years, but I think what's been really interesting over the past, I guess, past year, right, since the market changed, mm-hmm. is the numbers are changing, um, but they're, they're changing in such a way where there's a group of companies where the agent count is going up, and there's mm-hmm. another group of companies where the agent count is going down. And there's some commonalities between that, right? There's a commonality between all the companies that are increasing the number of agents they have. And there's, there's a commonality between the companies that are losing those agents. So what, I mean, I'll ask you, like, what, if, if we're looking at that and you say, oh my gosh, all of these companies are getting agents and all these companies are losing agents, how, what, what could you learn from that? Um, I mean, it's probably, oh, I wanted to sound all fancy and use a word. I think you said it's like agent revenue or something. Um, where it just kind of depends how much they make back per transaction. Mm. Um, and I remember you showing a graph. I don't think it's specifically on, um, the article that you just posted, but there was a graph showing like, um, different companies and how much they were paying back to their agents per transaction. And I think that there was a couple anomalies there that were like really high up there almost a hundred percent and i think that just with that i would assume that they have more agents because i mean at the end of the day all the agents we're all humans we need to make money to survive and so it's kind of just like all right this company is gonna give me more so i'll go over there and Mm. it's just kind of like this natural draw to go over there yeah Um, that's exactly right um it's impressive you remembered that because that's that's exactly what it is so those the companies that are attracting agents right now mm-hmm. are the same companies that pay most of their revenue back to agents, right? Which is what you're talking about, uh-huh. right? Uh, so that's that's interesting. That gets really interesting. You, so we can say, okay, in this period of time, in general, agents tend to be flocking towards those companies where they can make more money, mm-hmm. right? To your point, we're humans; we want to make more money. Agents are entrepreneurs; they want to make more money. 
well, they're going, they're going to those, those right. companies. But I mean, like, how long is that going to be profitable? Because if there's like, say, 10 companies and two of them are paying like, I don't know real numbers here, but like 90% um, payback, like, and everyone starts going there, well, then that's like a ton of money. I guess the agents are making money, but like, how long is that going to last? Are they going to like get overwhelmed or anything? Who? Are the agents going to get overwhelmed? No, the, the brokerages. brokerages. Yeah. Yeah, no, it depends. I mean, it's it's a good question about how quickly and how much can a brokerage grow. And and some of these brokerages have been at this for years and years and years, like mm-hmm. EXP, and they they can't like like you were saying before that curve, if it's a bell curve, right? Which, which it's not, but a bell curve doesn't go up forever. Right. Right, there's a limit. There's only so many real estate agents, there's only so many transactions in the US. So there's yeah. no Yeah, there's no answer, but that's the right question to be asking. Okay. That's good. Well, that's interesting. What else? Any other questions out of the article? Um, yeah. Another just quick definition thing. Um, low fee and legacy companies. Can uh, you define that? Yeah. So we were just talking about low fee brokerages. Mm-hmm. And that means low fee to the agent. So the the fees that are charged to an agent are are lower than normal, you know? So it might be 100% commission. Like the agent gets to keep 100% of their commission. They don't pay a percentage of it to the brokerage. It might just be right. $150 per transaction, per, per deal they do. So those are lower fees. If you're an agent, overall, you're paying less money to your brokerage to be part of them. Lower okay. fee. Okay. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's like lower fee in terms of um, agent to brokerage. Yep. yep. Okay. Not to consumer. Right. Okay. Yeah. And then the legacy brokerages are these these companies that have been around forever, right? You know, Remax, mm-hmm. Keller Williams, uh, yeah, Anywhere, which is Coldwell Banker and Sotheby's and all these other brands. Right. And, and okay. that's more of the traditional real estate brokerage agent model where it might be a 70-30 split or an 80-20 split where the agent gets 70 or 80 percent, the brokerage gets that. that. That's kind of more of your standard model. Mm-hmm. And I, I put Compass, Compass is funny because they're, they're kind of, they have a foot in both camps, but Compass has a legacy brokerage business model where they have the, so those same splits. Mm. That's what it's called, a split, right? The 70-30, 80-20, yeah. 90-10, that's your commission split. Okay. Yeah, I noticed that you talked about Compass a decent amount, and I was like, it's just kind of doing both things at the same time. I feel like it's kind of all over the place. Yeah, I, 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 I probably said it on stage at Inman. Compass is a legacy brokerage with the growth rate of one of the low-fee brokerages. Yeah, yeah, I think you did say that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really, it's hard to, it's like talking about people. It's hard to define people. It's hard to judge a book by its cover. Right. There's, there's a lot more nuance in this. Um, especially when you get into certain companies that have a little bit here, a little bit there, but yeah, compass is that outlier right in the middle where it goes back and Mm. forth. Okay. Um, last question here, I think that I got is you were saying, I mentioned this earlier, but that legacy brokers have a better quarter two, um, but overall low fee brokerages are doing better, particularly structurally. Um, what is this like hold for the future? Is this kind of like relating back to your like Netflix versus Blockbuster? And I mean, just how much, like, how's this gonna progress? Do you have any, any thoughts on that? Hmm. Good question. So what I mean by that structural advantage that the low fee brokers have is 
generally they have a lower lower cost basis like they have lower expenses than these other companies uh-huh. and expenses can be i mean what you know for a company what are some expenses of a company i mean like technology advertisements paying for employees yeah yeah all that stuff. locations so the the low that's great the low fee models have lower expenses they they might have smaller tech teams less employees um less you know they might have smaller offices or no offices like exp mm-hmm. realty they don't have any offices it's all in the cloud it's like a metaverse virtual world that's where their employees meet and where they have meetings and stuff is this since the pandemic or was no, this it was before? before it they've been doing that for like 10 years before oh wow before it was cool yeah so that's that's where the structural advantage is because in a time like today when there's a lot less real estate transactions so there's less deals being done you know being nimble and lightweight and agile is you're going to have more runway you're going to have more ability to do things right as opposed to like a big company with big expensive offices and thousands and thousands of employees you know that company is going to have to slash and burn and cut and and just try to trim their expenses just to survive whereas the these lower fee models that are much lighter operationally they're already they're kind of nimble you know they're ready to go and they can invest they can invest in the business okay yeah no that makes sense but that's where we are now. It's a down market, right? Things change. Right. If, if you get more and more transactions, um, I was just emailing somebody today, you know, and they were saying, hey, but these, you know, the legacy brokers, they will be more profitable. They will make more money in a in an up market where there's more transactions. And that, like, that's true. Yeah, it, it's a lot of just like this will, this could be, it might be, but it's like, at the end of the day, this is what is happening, you yeah. know? Who, that's great. Who knows what's going to happen? But right now, this is what's happening. And yeah. if you go back actually a couple of years, the, the clear trend around agents, just to go back to where we started, which companies mm-hmm. agents are going to, that's actually been the same. You know, the, the companies that are growing exponentially, you know right. what exponentially means, right? Yes, like yes, yes. Super fast. Yeah. Those are these low fee models. So in general, no matter what the market is, they're attracting agents. And yeah, you know what? If you have agents, they're going to do transactions. And mm-hmm. that's generally a good place to be, right? You want to, right. if you want to invest in a company, you want to invest in a company that's growing, it's recruiting agents, it's doing more and more deals. At the end of the day, they'll, they'll kind of figure out profitability for themselves. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I feel like frequently you get asked like, what's happening now? What's new? What's going to be happening? And it's like all the time, it's kind of like, well, we could think about what's happening, what's going to happen. Right. And it's like, well, I don't know what's going to happen. It's kind of like we have what's happening now and what happened. And, and that's interesting because if you plot that out, right, if you, if you plot out what's happened Mm -hmm. up to now, that's going to give you like a trajectory. Yeah. Right. If you plot a bunch of dots and they're all going up, you can assume that in the future they will, you know, like it's, it's likely they will keep going up. Yeah. Or if things are flat up to now, like some of these legacy brokerages, you know, they're, they're not growing. They're just flat. Right. You could make a, a good guess and assumption that, well, they'll probably keep going flat or maybe they'll go up mm-hmm. a, or a little or down a little bit. Right. So yeah, just plotting stuff out over time is really helpful, but you're right. Nobody knows what's going to happen in the future. Yeah. Well, this was fun. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, it was really fun. All right. And uh, yeah, so that was talking about some analysis from today. This was Context with Mike Delpretti. You can find more of my podcasts and research and all this stuff on my website. That's MikeDP.com, M-I-K-E-D-P.com. All right. 
we'll catch you later. Thank you.